Hello, and welcome to the Williamsburg Unitarian Universalists. We are a vibrant liberal religious community that treasures diversity, practices justice, and teaches love and respect for everyone. We grow spiritually through worship, shared learning and service and relationships that go deep. As we say each Sunday, whoever you are, whomever you love, whatever your image of the holy, your presence here is a gift. All are worthy, all are welcome. Good morning. I'm Nikki Pete, your worship associate today. And it's my pleasure to welcome you to the Williamsburg Universalist, Unitarian Universalist online worship service. Our greeter today is Jessica O'Brien. Thank you, Jessica. Our other worship leaders today are our minister, Reverend Laura Horton Ludwig, our director of religious education, Austin Peterson, and our assistant director of music, Dave Robbins. If you'd like to follow along with the order of service, I invite you to visit wuu.org to download a copy. If you're visiting today, we're glad you're here. We'll have a special breakout group at the end of the service for visitors and newcomers to gather. If you'd like to meet other folks, as well as some of us who have been here for quite a while, please let us know by typing a quick note into the chat. And if you'd like to sign up for our email list, please fill out our online visitor form at wuu.org. Next Sunday, we hope you'll join us for the semi-annual congressional meeting on Sunday, February 21st. It will be held over Zoom immediately following the service and all members are encouraged to attend and vote. And please see the weekly Spire email for more information. Now, please join in singing our opening hymn, Come Thou Font of Every Blessing, with words by Robert Robinson, an 18th century English Baptist minister, and Jean Nevias, a white 20th century UU minister and religious educator. The music comes from one of the first collections of hymn tunes published in the United States in 1813. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune our hearts to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. While a hope of life's perfection fills our hearts with joy and love, teach us ever to be faithful, may we still thy goodness prove. Come thou fount of every vision, lift our eyes to what may come, see the lion and the young together in thy home. Hear the cries of war fall silent, feel our love glow like the sun. When we all serve one another, then our heaven is begun. Come thou fount of inspiration, turn our to higher ways 
lift our gloom and desperation Show the promise of the day Help us bind ourselves in union Help our hands tell of our love With thine aid, O fount of justice Earth be fair as heaven Logan, welcome. We're happy that you joined us via live stream audio or Zoom. Whether you have come seeking comfort, encouragement, or inspiration, you belong here. You're seen here. Even if you're joining by phone and we cannot see you physically. Now I invite you to join in saying our welcoming words. Please, as you say these words, speak them to each other, even though you may not be in the same room, and know that we are connected across the distance. The words are pasted into the Zoom chat. Let's say them in unison. Folks on Zoom, we will unmute you so that you can hear each other. And we'll begin in about two seconds. <laughs> Come. 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 Whomever you love, whatever your presence is, all are worthy, all are welcome. Welcome back to our month of beloved community. Today, we are going to jump right into one of the hardest things about beloved community trying to love the people we don't like, people who we don't trust, even people who have hurt us, even the people we call enemies. We all know the teaching to love our enemies, but it is hard, hard, hard. So maybe we look for a way out. I'll love everybody but that one over there. Or maybe we take refuge in righteous indignation. We might say after what that person did, it would be a travesty to forgive and forget. But thank goodness, love does not mean we have to forgive and forget. It just means getting out of our own way and letting ourselves be channels for the infinite love that flows freely, inexplicably throughout the universe refusing to discriminate, refusing to stop loving even one speck of dust or one human soul. And here is where we practice. Here is where we remember. Come, let us worship together. Now please join me in saying the word to light our chalice. If you have a chalice or candle nearby, please go ahead and light it now as we spotlight lighting the chalice. Okay, you want to take it away, Austin? I've got one. But go ahead. I'd like to note that my candle is a heart today in honor of Valentine's Day. <laughs> Perfect. We like this chalice. The light of truth is and for the harmony of peace. Peace in our hearts, 
Good morning, everyone. <laughs> it's nice to see you. So I have a story for you today that is short and sweet, and I would like it to honor Hosea Ballou, one of our universalist forebears. So I have a question for you. Do you have a favorite stuffed animal, maybe a teddy bear, or maybe even like a favorite sweater that just feels like an old friend when you put it on? Maybe it reminds you of sitting by the fireside. It just, you feel warm and like everything is all right. This one's mine, tie-dye teddy bear. So the question is this, if you were walking around, maybe with your favorite blankie or your teddy bear, and you accidentally dropped it in a puddle, and not just any old puddle, like, you know, a drop or two of rainwater, I mean like a big muddy puddle, and it just got all over your teddy bear, and the teddy bear was completely soaked and covered in mud, would you stop loving the teddy bear? Of course not. You'd probably your first reaction would be, all right, must be time to clean the teddy bear. And maybe you would wanna Google how to clean a teddy bear. Maybe you'd pop it right in the washing machine. But the point of the story is that we don't stop loving the things that we love because we accidentally drop them in a puddle or something happens like that. We love them because we love them, not because they lack puddle mud. And so the next time that you see something that you love, maybe you reached for a favorite teddy bear just now or a favorite sweater, how would you clean it if you accidentally dropped it in a puddle? What would happen then? And I'd love to see photos of a favorite teddy bear if you have one. That might be a fun thing to share. Thank you all. Thank you, Austin. You are bringing back some memories for me in particular of um, my stuffed rabbit, whom I named Nicholas after Jack Nicholas, the golfer. I was very little. I still cherish those memories of hugging that soft creature. Thank you. So happy Valentine's Day. Whoever you are, whomever you love, may you give and receive love always. And today, as we enter into a spirit of meditation, reflection, and prayer, I invite you to receive the words of Howard Thurman, the Black theologian, minister, and mystic. He speaks from his own Christian tradition in words that were first composed about, oh, 60 years ago, 70. But I invite you to translate into whatever religious language speaks most clearly to your own spirit. Howard Thurman. The earth beneath my feet is the great womb out of which the life upon which my body depends comes in utter abundance. 
There is at work in the soil a mystery by which the death of one seed is reborn a thousandfold in the newness of life. The magic of wind, sun, and rain creates a climate that nourishes every living thing. It is law and more than law. It is order and more than order. There is a brooding tenderness out of which it all comes. In the contemplation of the earth, I know that I am surrounded by the love of God. The edge of hope that constantly invades the seasoned grounds of despair the faith that keeps watch at the doors through which pass all the labors of my life and heart for what is right and true. The impulse to forgive and seek forgiveness, even when the injury is sharp and clear. These and countless other things make me know that by day and by night, my life is surrounded by the love of God. So today, it might be hard to believe in that love after a long week in our country of watching and reliving those horrific events of January 6th and everything that led up to it and then yesterday's decision, so deeply disappointing to some of us. But we recall that Howard Thurman grew up black in the Jim Crow South. He was intimately familiar with the power of hate and he knew that love was stronger. So may we know it too and live it and practice it. I invite you now to add your own silent prayers and meditations. Amen.
and blessed be. And now I invite you to join in singing our hymn, Immortal Love. The words are by a white 19th century Quaker and abolitionist, John Greenleaf Whittier. And the tune is a traditional Irish melody. from the bounty we're blessed to enjoy. We do so in a spirit of generosity and in recognition of our ongoing commitment to serve our world and share our values. If you are joining us for the first time, please feel free to give if you wish and also to know that your presence is gift enough. Today is a Share the Plate Sunday and all of your gifts today will go to the Spirit Works Foundation. Here to tell us more is the Reverend Jan Brown, the founding executive director. Thank you, Jan. Thank you. And thanks for having me. It's been wonderful to watch all of the different people and names. And um, I grew up at WUU. Uh, my impulse for starting Spirit Works um, was enriched and blessed and, and um came out of my time with you all. So it is, it is always wonderful for, for me to, to come and be with you. For those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Jan Brown. I am a woman in long-term recovery and a deacon at the, uh, of the Episcopal Church, Archdeacon in the Diocese of Southern Virginia. Uh, but what I come to talk with you all for a brief time today is about is about SpiritWorks Foundation. And we are what's called a recovery community organization 
this year we will be celebrating 16 years, as a matter of fact, in February. So uh, we, we held our big, big to-do last year and we were so excited and we got started and then COVID closed us down. Um, and it has been a, a challenging year uh, for those that we serve, uh, specifically the individuals, but the families and children as well. Um, not only is today Valentine's Day, today is also uh, the, the day and the week that we celebrate children of addiction. Um, by extension, I've decided to call it Children of Addiction and Families Week. Uh, we, we particularly take the time to recognize the for every one person who is individually struggling with addiction, we know that there are five people um, in their immediate circle who are or who are struggling and suffering as well. And, um, and so that's where we've really been able to turn our focus, uh, particularly this year. And uh, when, when Reverend Laura was talking about uh, the theme and I had gotten the opportunity to, to receive the information beforehand, um, I think of many of those that we serve um, are people who are hard to love, right? And these, these folks are hard to love because of the, the behaviors that, uh, that go along with their sickness, their substance use disorder and their addictions if it's on the severe end. Uh, some of the things that we've had the strange good fortune to start this year, um, one of our, our big projects that uh, I commend to you, um, it is called Serenity Shawls and it came about um, as everyone in being in isolation, one of the women on, uh, on a Zoom uh, recovery, mutual recovery meeting mentioned that she sure could use a hug. And so we decided to expand on the prayer shawl ministry that lots of churches do and call them serenity shawls. And it's a hug from God and a hug from spirit works. And so people all over the country who knit or crochet are making these shawls. And, um, and then we get them and we send them to anyone um, who could benefit from a, from a hug. And uh, the beginning, sadly, of, of that ministry was really in, in our initiative has been sending shawls to uh, parents, to moms, and dads um, whose children have died during this season of, of COVID and, and the addiction epidemic. And sadly, we've had several in the larger Williamsburg community, but we also know that throughout the country, um, it, is, it is a growing epidemic that is somewhat hidden by the, the COVID epidemic as well. So if there's anyone in your community, um, you know, I, it's always weird to come and, and know that you all are, are generous with your, with your gift of, of money. Um, but let us know, let me know if there's anyone in your community who could use and benefit from a hug. Um, it, it brings us great joy to be able to do that. Some of the other initiatives that are taking high priority during this time are, are around grief and, and grieving. And so that's uh, an area that has really occupied our time and attention is, is supporting individuals, families, particularly children um, who, are, who are struggling with any kind of grief or loss. Um, you know, the, all of the changes that are taking place, it's been, it's been tremendous to be able to provide ongoing support and care for them. The other big piece that I will highlight um, is our, our work around doing a better job with, with social justice and equity. Um, and we have really taken to uh, returning our, our 
our focus to um, family reunification. And so the, the women and men who are coming out of uh, VPRJ here locally, we were had the good fortune of, of doing some inside the walls recovery support work. And now that we're not able to do that anymore, are supporting the individuals and families as they, as they are returning from jail. And that has been, um, that has been a joy to watch families uh, reunite. And, and it takes all kinds of different forms. We've gotten involved with the Department of Social Services and are really providing a lot of education and support for them. Um, I could certainly go on and on. And, and again, I, we, uh, we did our first uh, worship service. We've had Spirit Works has had a recovery worship service for I think we just nine years have celebrated. And we did our first service on Zoom uh, in, at the beginning of February. And boy, was it, a, it was different, but it was wonderful because we got to see the faces and people come from all over the place. And um, and people, different people got to participate. So um, we did it once and, and it was the joy for me at, out of this pandemic. And, and again, watching all of the names and faces and the, your use of chat. Um, so I thank you for that gift as well, because that is something that, that going forward, we're going to, to do even more than, than we have done. And, and in closing, again, I thank you. It's been amazing to see, I mean, I could start naming people's names, but um, I won't do that because of course I would miss someone. Um, I am humbled and honored to be with you all today. And gosh, I love and miss so many of you and thank you for the work that you do in this community and the support that you offer to individuals and families who are struggling with addiction. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jan, um, and for the great work your organization does. Just personally, I wanna share with you that when my sister was dying about 11 years ago, she received a prayer shawl from an Episcopal church and it touched her so much and she felt so embraced by it. So thank you. If you'd like to give through our website, please visit wuu.org and click on Give Online to WUU. If you'd like to give by text, please text the dollar amount of your gift to 757-500-0688. Again, that's 757-500-0688. Um, and follow the prompts from there. Or if you prefer to give by check, please mail your check to WUU 3051 Ironbound Road, Williamsburg, Virginia, 23185. Thank you so much. Our offertory music today is by the great Duke Ellington, who was, of course, a black composer and leader of his own orchestra. The piece you're about to hear is called TGTT, which stands for Too Good to Title. And here's Dave.
Thank you, Dave. Readings today come from the Sermon on the Mount from the New Testament book of Matthew and from an interview with Bishop Michael Curry. The first reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew and the Christian scriptures. Tradition says that Jesus said these words to a crowd gathered for the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven for he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good alike and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. And the second reading comes from a recent interview with the most reverend Michael Curry, presiding Bishop of the Episcopal Church. He is the first black person to serve in that role. And you might have seen him give that wonderful sermon at the wedding of Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. He says, as a kid growing up, I remember my grandmother and Aunt Lillian in particular would often say on different occasions for different reasons, never let any man drag you so low as to hate him. Now, I didn't know as a kid that they were actually quoting Booker T. Washington who said that, but I grew up in a context where people really did believe that the kind of love that Jesus of Nazareth taught is the kind of love that can change personal life and social life. They really did believe that. So beloved community, that's our theme for this month. Last week, we listened to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s words about love as the central practice of beloved community. An overflowing love, he said, which seeks nothing in return, which makes no distinction between a friend and enemy, the love that may well be the salvation of our civilization. Today, I want to talk about how this kind of love connects to Unitarian Universalism historically and right now, and why it is so important for us to practice this love, even to the point of loving our enemies, even now in this moment when our country is so deeply divided. First, some history. Many of you know that Unitarian Universalism wasn't always one thing. Up until 1961, Unitarians and Universalists were two separate denominations. Unitarians focused on teaching and inspiring people to lead moral and ethical lives, to be the best people they could be and to make a positive difference in the world. Back when Unitarianism was first getting going in this country about 200 years ago, they were Christians. They looked to Jesus as a teacher, a role model who showed them how to live a good life. They read and studied Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. They heard him say, love your enemies. And this is not an easy ask, but they took it seriously. 
today, regardless of whether you connect with Christianity or not, regardless of where you feel most at home theologically, that challenge to love your enemies still echoes in our Unitarian Universalist first principle to affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of every person. Every person, not just the people I like or the people I admire or the people I think are morally excellent. Every person we say has inherent worth and it is our sacred task to affirm their worth and promote their dignity, regardless of who they are or what they have done. Though our language may be a little different, that radical proclamation of the inherent worth and dignity of all people is a pretty direct descendant of that 2000 year old teaching to love your enemies. Because there is barely a hair's breadth of distance between affirming someone's worth and loving them with the kind of compassionate universal love preached so memorably by Jesus. And so in theory, we are on board with when it comes to, when it comes to loving our enemies. We are all in. But of course, when it comes to actual practice, that's harder. Many of us watched the impeachment trial in the Senate this week. We've seen a lot of ugly, scary behavior from people who are saying they hate people like us and we're supposed to love them? Seriously? But Jesus's answer and the answer of many of the great civil rights preachers was, yeah, seriously, you are supposed to love them. Now, they were not talking about love without boundaries. This is not about inviting people to walk all over us and take advantage of us and hurt us. Compassionate love is completely compatible with setting limits on the behaviors we will and won't accept. Love is not about do anything you want. And it is also not about, if I love you, that must mean I want you as my best friend. The kind of love Jesus is talking about, in some ways, is not even really about personal relationships. It's about looking around, as Jesus did 2,000 years ago, and seeing that this bountiful earth nurtures all of us seeing that the, the creative force that brought the earth into being makes the sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous without distinction. It's about noticing that and wondering why like, how is that fair? How is that right? And struggling with that. And ultimately, Jesus concluded, and many of us have as well, that God or spirit or the universe or mystery, call it what you will, that is able to love everyone, even when we can't 
And thank goodness, because that means that we ourselves are loved even when we are not lovable. We are loved even when we are not lovable and even when we cannot love ourselves. And if that's so, we had better not even try to deny that love from anybody else because surely they need it too. That is what our universalist ancestors also concluded. About 250 years ago, they began to preach a message that they called universal salvation. And that is, they believed that God loved every person in the world so much. They were Christian too. They believed God loved every person in the world so much that everyone would be saved. Everyone would get to be with God after they died and fully experience what it meant to be completely loved. Every single person, no matter what, no matter who they were or what they had done with their lives. So their message was, you don't have to worry about going to hell. It's going to be okay because God loves you and God will take care of you like a loving parent taking care of their child. That was one of their favorite metaphors, a loving parent caring for their child or a child taking care of their teddy bear. That teddy bear still fully beloved, no matter how muddy and dirty it might get. That's what those universalists believed. 250 years ago, that was a radical idea. At that time, most people in this country believed in a God of judgment relentlessly scrutinizing our actions, angry at us for falling short of perfection and ready to condemn us forever. Can you imagine what it must have felt like if you had been scared of God your whole life to hear the message that God loves you and is going to take care of you? What an enormous relief. But this teaching of universal salvation, this faith that God loves everyone and is going to take care of everyone, also carried with it an enormous spiritual challenge. And we might phrase it like this. Do I actually want a God who loves and cares about any, everyone, no matter what they've done? Do I really want a God who loves murderers, torturers, people who have done tremendous evil? Am I ready for a God who loves those people as much as me? The early universalists in this country felt that tension intensely. Some of them believed that when people died, God would sort of um, sort of magically purify them to make them ready for heaven right away, like, like, um, like washing all the junk out of them all at once. And those people called themselves death and glory universalists, death and glory universalists. But other universalists just couldn't quite wrap their heads around that. 
And they believed that if you had done a lot of bad things in your life, God would send you to a sort of a sort of like purgatory, actually. If you grew up Catholic, you know about purgatory. It was sort of like that. God would uh, discipline you and educate you. Maybe it would take a long time until you are ready for heaven. And these folks called themselves restorationists. And anyway, this restorationist controversy was a huge debate in 19th century universalism, went on for decades. And in a way, you know, we're still arguing it today. Today, many of us would use different language to talk about universal salvation. We might say that even though we don't know what happens after death, Still, we believe that it's going to be the same for everyone, and we believe that it will be okay. Or we might say, you know, we don't believe in dividing people up into us and them, or good and bad. We believe that we are all part of one human family. This is the spiritual language of a people who, on the whole, have a much more skeptical and cautious relationship with the God language of the Bible than our ancestors did. But no matter what religious language we use, we have held tenaciously to the faith that love is the most powerful force in the world. We have held tenaciously to the faith that we are loved and everyone is loved and we will all be loved through everything. And so we too are the inheritors of that question that plagued the early universalists. Does everyone really get to be loved and saved literally no matter what. You know, in almost every congregation I've ever served, I've heard that question come up in a particular way. Someone asks, what about, what about Hitler? If I'm a universalist, do I have to believe that Hitler is loved as much as I am? Do I have to believe that he is held in the arms of infinite love just as I am? Shouldn't there be some exception? Our universalist tradition says, no, there's no exception. But we've always made room for the struggle, for honoring the deep pain behind that question. If we're going to stick around this faith tradition, we too have to wrestle with how it could possibly be right for someone like that who did so much evil. How it could be right for someone like that to get to enjoy infinite love and care and even somehow forgiveness. There is no shortcut through this struggle to make peace with a power that loves even the worst of us and somehow wants us to do the same. Each of us has to go through that for ourselves. 
I can't even help you very much except to remind you of the ones who have dared to step into the river of infinite love and let their hatred be dissolved in something bigger and so found themselves flooded with more joy and peace than they could ever have imagined. Jesus, the Buddha, Gandhi, and the civil rights heroes whom he inspired, the Dalai Lama, teachers of every faith and tradition who radiate peace and help us believe that when we allow that river of love to fill us, it really is possible to love everyone, friends, enemies, everyone, and that this will be our salvation right here and right now. May it be so for all beings in all times and places. Amen. Our closing hymn is called, O Liberating Rose. It may be less familiar to many of us, but it is lovely. The words are by Mark Bellatini, a white UU minister of Italian ancestry, who is known for his beautiful poetic writings for UU worship. And the music is by Larry Phillips, a white UU musician who helped found the UU Musicians Network. Strengthening your 
Now let us say the words to extinguish the chalice. And we invite you to blow out your candle at the same time. We'll paste the words in the Zoom chat. And again, we'll say them in unison. We extinguish the flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment that we carry in our hearts until we are Now I invite you to hold out your hands as a reminder that we are one. May the spirit of love be with us and with all beings. May the sun bless our days and the moon our nights. May the rain fall gently on every weary heart that seeds of hope may blossom in all the days to come. So may it be, go in peace, blessed be, and amen.